listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. So this week, we are going to talk about how not to marry the wrong guy. In fact, that is the name of the book. How Not to Marry the Wrong Guy. Is he the one or should you run? A guide to living happily ever after. Because, you know, if you marry the wrong, not even guy, but just the wrong person, this is a show for both men and women, if you marry the wrong person, you'll be in hell. (laughs) If you marry the right person, you'll be in heaven. And if you marry someone who's a combination of both, then I guess you'll be in um, purgatory. So that is my religious speech for the day. So let's speak to the author, one of the authors of this book, and that is Jennifer Govain. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hello, Lucia. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, Jennifer is a licensed clinical social worker whose primary focus is working with couples and families. She earned her MSW from the George Warren Brown School of Social Work at Washington University in St. Louis. She continued her postgraduate training at the Menninger Relationship and Family Therapy Training Institute, and she co-authored the book uh, with uh, Anne Milford, who unfortunately could not be on the call today, and the website is coldfeetpress.com, without any of the W's, so it's just coldfeetpress.com. So Jennifer, how did you and Anne decide to write this book? You know, this was actually Anne's baby when I first met her, and her backstory is that she actually called off a wedding about 18 or 19 years ago, and as she came back home um, with her wedding dress in a box, she was surprised to meet so many people. It was men and women, actually, who came up to her at cocktail parties and gatherings saying, you know, how did you have the courage to do this? How did you know that he wasn't the right one? And being a freelance writer, she just kind of tucked the idea in the back of her head that there, this would be a really great advice book for folks because there's so many books on the shelves that talk about, you know, 10 ways to meet a guy, 10, mm-hmm. you know, great ways to have sex with your guy. Right. But there really isn't anything out there that can help women who might be questioning or having doubts about their relationship. So as she was gearing up to do some interviews with folks, um, we have mutual friends. And at the time, I was in private practice in St. Louis and was meeting a lot of people on my couch with these questions you know, getting ready to get married and coming and saying, should we call off the wedding? How do we know if it's right or if it's wrong? And so after Anne and I met and we started talking about this idea, we just felt like together we could offer a voice to women and men who are looking to have healthier, happier relationships and have healthy, happy um, marriages as well. And how did you do the research for the book? 
It was interesting because we didn't have to go very far uh-huh. to meet folks who had gone through with a wedding that they knew was a mistake. And that was really the first criteria. So we sent emails and made phone calls to friends and family saying, you know, do you know anyone who went through with a wedding and walked down the aisle knowing from the beginning that it was going to be a mistake? And that email went out and it was passed across the country and our inboxes were inundated with stories from women um, saying, yes, this happened to me and I would love to share my story in order to help other people who might be facing this question. Wow. Do you happen to know by any chance what percentage of women want to call off the wedding and don't or how many actually do call it off? Well, that's interesting because it was actually really easy to find women and men who went through with the wedding. It was much more difficult to Mm. find folks who had called it off. Um, And that was sort of the main idea and thought for this is that most people go through with it. And we estimate that if you ask 10 divorced women, um, if they knew it was a mistake, three of those 10 would say they knew on the wedding day that the marriage wasn't going to last. So we felt like that was a pretty big percentage of divorced folks out there. Wow, you would think it was more. I wonder, like, but is anyone ever, like, 100% certain when they are getting married? Do you think? That it's right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's a tough question because, yeah. you know, we also interviewed women who were happily married, and all of them sort of, all of the women across the board talk about having some nervousness before making this really big decision. Um, and the transition of it all is very frightening. You know, you're, you're committing yourself to this one person for the rest of your life. But for those women that were in healthy relationships, there was no doubt in their mind. You know, they, they felt like there was a sense of peace that came over them when they talked about the person that they were getting ready to, to, to spend their marriage with. And, you know, were there some uncertainties finding about what their financial situation might look like or, you know, how many kids would they end up having? I think those are pretty normal questions mm-hmm. and concerns that, mm-hmm. that women might have. Um, but, you know, again, for the folks that just knew down deep in their gut that it wasn't wrong, there were just some serious doubts about this person. You know, he he has some debt that I'm going to be inheriting. What's that going to look like? He might have a drug or alcohol addiction, and I'm worried about that. I really want to have children, but he doesn't. And yet they kind of push those concerns aside for the sake of just getting married and having that wedding. So maybe, you know, it sounds like because, of course, the divorce rate hovering around 50%, that maybe if people didn't get married when they knew there were all these issues, that the divorce rate would be lower. That certainly was our hope, in, you know, in providing this resource for folks. Um, you know, and we have this conversation all the time, is that a lot, a lot of times folks get put on the wedding train, you know, Mm. they get caught up in making the plans and having the dress and the reception, that they lose sight of the actual marriage and the relationship. And yes, we we love weddings, although we don't get invited to many anymore. Uh (laughs) Um, You know, so much emphasis is placed on the wedding day. We really want people to pause and give consideration for what is the marriage going to look like? What does that feel like? Um, And if you just don't think it is going to be a long, beautiful, you know, peaceful Mm -hmm. relationship, then you need to hit that pause button, jump off the wedding train, and search out some help or some guidance for figuring out what your doubts are. 
Yeah, I guess the point I was trying to make, you know, because I've never been married. And so from a single person, never having been married on looking um, from the outside, looking in, I see a 50 percent divorce rate. And I'm like, yikes. And so, you know, everyone that's getting married to the wrong person and then getting divorced, they're kind of making marriage look bad for the rest of us that might want to do it. But we're scared. Whereas if they didn't get married to the wrong person, maybe the divorce rate would be around 25 percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be great if that were the case. <laughs> um, you know, Anna and I, we, we like to brag. Both of us have been married almost 20 years. So, um, you know, marriage is difficult, <laughs> to oh, say the least. <laughs> and imagine going through the difficulties with someone that you don't even really like that much. Uh, <laughs> what What makes it difficult, in your opinion? You know, I think about this a lot, and I adore my husband. He's, you know, one of my best friends. But, you know, it's the day-in and day-out things. And, you know, one of my examples is that um, coming together on decisions related to children can often be difficult. One parent might feel, or one person might feel like, you know, oh, let that slide, it's not a big deal. And then you feel very strongly that your child needs to be taught a lesson on this particular subject. And then you're kind of having this disagreement in front of the children and looking at you like, well, well, who should I, who should I listen to? Mm. That's probably what we struggle with the most. Yeah. Um, financial difficulties. You know, my husband lost his job last year. And so we had a lot of changes come into our life. And although we were together on it, um, there, there were a lot of changes that came up that, you know, 20 years ago, if you asked me, would those things have happened? I never would have believed you. Right. Um, I have a really a good client friend that um, a year into their relationship, her her husband was diagnosed with oral cancer, and they married later in life, and you know thought they'd be traveling and, and enjoying each other, and she ended up being a caretaker, and he ended up being a patient. Um, and they've gotten through that, but again, you don't anticipate that those are the things that are going to happen when you're getting married because it's so. You get so caught up and things are going to be like the fairy tale and live happily ever after. Well, life throws you curveballs um, and you need to get through it together. Right. Um, were you aware that the divorce rate is, I mean, sorry, the women file for divorce over two thirds of the time? I was not familiar with that statistic. Um, yeah. I'm not, surpri- I'm not surprised by it really. Uh-huh. Um, and thinking back over the years, all of the the couples that I've worked with, it typically is the female who, who goes filing first. But is, don't you find it interesting that it's always usually the women that push to get married? Not always. Um, but And then mm-hmm. once they're married, it's the women that are trying to get out. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, they have that wake-up call and, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what, what instigates that, but um, yeah. I do think, I do think, our world makes it easy for folks to get divorced. So right. maybe they just get to the courthouse faster. faster sooner. <laughs> <laughs> they can run faster. Um, <laughs> so, okay, now, um, of course, you talk about red flags in the book and deal breakers. So what is the difference between a red flag and a deal breaker? It's really individualized. So a red flag for me may not be a red flag for you, but red flags will trigger gut feelings within you. And that's probably the most important piece of how not to marry the wrong guy that you'll read about. If you get that funny sensation, you call it intuition, um, that feeling down deep and, you know, butterflies deep down in your stomach, that something just isn't 
right there, you know, and it's a consistent feeling. It's not just something that might show up once and then you don't feel it again. Um, you really need to pay attention to that. So, you know, red flags could be, you know, you are dating someone who's very volatile. And so every time you go out for dinner, your boyfriend or girlfriend is constantly badgering the waiter or the waitress and embarrassing you and making you feel, you know, very small. And then he'll do that, you know, to his family or his sisters or his mother. Mm. And then you question yourself, well, he, does he treat me like that? And if, does he treat me like that? So if you step back for a moment and you can look clearly at your relationship and that is, in fact, how he treats you, that's going to be a really big red flag. Um, other pretty standard red flags for folks would be, you know, someone that you're dating who has a drug and alcohol addiction or has financial issues or lies a lot. That was a really big one that mm-hmm. um, people we spoke to talked about. In fact, we, we talked to one woman who, again, knew on that day she was making a big mistake. Um, fast forward about 10 years down, they were getting divorced and all the financial records were coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that most of their income was being spent on a bookie and that she owned a racehorse that she was not (laughs) aware of. Now that sounds, you know, very distressing, but she, she told us, she's like, I really wasn't surprised because he lied about little things throughout our entire dating relationship and even, you know, throughout our marriage. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if he's lying on the first or second date, chances are pretty good. He's going to be lying somewhere down the road as well. Yeah. And are you okay with that? You know, some women, you know, might be fine with that. Um, I can't imagine that would be okay with anyone, but, um, you know, that would be okay. You know, other stories that came up, like some women would date guys who are very much into sports and that would be how they would spend their weekends. You know, there are some women out there who will throw the face paint on and go tailgate and love that. Others would find it a red flag because they like to go out hiking and biking on the weekends and they're sort of seeing what their relationship is going to be like in the future. Um, and that doesn't include enjoying their outdoors with their, with their husband. So does that make sense? You know, it's sort of so, so then that depends be... on what, what, makes you stand up and pay attention and what, you know, can feel all right to you. So then a deal breaker would be not necessarily something that's negative, but something that wouldn't work for you. Like if a guy doesn't want kids, that's not negative, except that you do want kids. And so that's a deal breaker. Exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because some women we talked to um, even reported to us that, you know, I knew that, you know, he spoke that he didn't want children I didn't really think he'd be a great father, but, you know, I was going to just give him the benefit of the doubt and thought that once that ring was on our fingers, he would change and turn around and everything would be fine. Well, that's a pretty big decision Mm. for someone (laughs) to just change their mind about. Um, And most men, and there are women that we spoke to that weren't interested in having children, um, most of them aren't going to change their minds. That's going to be what Mm. they signed up for. So are you prepared for that? Yes, interesting. having children is something that you really value, then why are you with someone who doesn't value that same thing? Yeah, it's interesting that people think that once they get married, once the ring is on the finger, it has magical powers to just transform. Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we, we warn people that, you know, little things that might be triggering those gut feelings now, you know, 
when you're in the dating relationship, your your good face is on most of the time, mm. <laughs> you know, towards the end of that dating relationship. And once you get into marriage, um, lots of times the masks come off um, and there's there's no getting around that. Right. Um, let's go through a few more flags. You talked about avoidance. So what does that look like? You know, avoidance would be, and I'm thinking of one woman in particular we talked to who um, every time she brought up the idea of marriage, her fiancé, or not even marriage, but about the wedding because they were engaged, but anytime she brought up the topic of the wedding, he would say, you know, I'm really stressed out at work right now. I just can't talk about it. Can we talk about it later? And this went on for nine months. <laughs> and so she just kind of tucked it in the back of her head. You know, he really does have a stressful job. I don't really want to bother him with all of these details. Um, but that as the wedding got closer, she was making all of the plans and arrangements and he just didn't want to have any input. And as it turns out, you know, they were divorced several months after the wedding because he didn't really want to get married but felt obligated to go through with it anyway. Um, so that would be a topic of avoidance, you know, mm-hmm. someone who avoids talking about finances because, you know, sex and finances are those big topics in relationships that, you know, can oftentimes cause problems. So if he's not willing to sit down with you and, and you know, talk about a budget or talk about, you know, are you going to buy a house? Are you going to rent the first year of marriage? Are you going to shop at Target? Are you going to shop at Nordstrom? Mm. Um, those are important things that if you get blocked every time you approach it, that, that's cause for concern as well. Right. Um, okay. And then you mentioned also extreme differences. So what would some of those be? Obviously, we already talked about the children, not children. What are some more? Yeah. Children, not children, you know, what I talked about earlier, what what are the things you really value? Um, religion came up a lot. Um, so, you know, if you're Catholic and you're entering into a relationship with someone who's Jewish, um, are there going to be things that, differences in that, that could cause problems? And there are lots of couples who get married in, in this, a shared faith and do just fine, um, but you need to know for yourself, you know, and talk about those things before the wedding day mm-hmm. and not after, so that you're not surprised when you wake up and discover that you have these, you know, black and white differences that, that are interfering in having that healthy relationship. Yeah, in fact, I know someone that um, she was going to get, they were engaged after maybe six months of dating, and then luckily they went to premarital counseling, and they mm-hmm. discovered their differences, and they ended up calling off the wedding. Yeah, and it, that's good for them to find that out beforehand. Um because, again, that preparation of marriage, so much preparation is gone going into the wedding day itself. And we have a statistic in the book, and, of course, I'm not going to get it right right now. Uh-huh. But I think it's something like brides spend 150, 150 hours planning for the wedding and 15 hours planning for the marriage itself. So, you know, we looked into, you know, what sort of marriage preparation is available to folks. Um I know in the Jewish faith, they, they have some marriage preparation. The Catholic Church obviously has some. But what we found is that a lot of couples are, are not looking at that as really giving awareness and consideration to the relationship, but more of like a checklist. Oh, we did that, so we're fine. Um, instead of really digging into some of those questions that come up about, you know, what happens, you know, after the wedding day when... What happens when you have children and you've got five toddlers at the table? One is, you know, 
that's not running on their face. One is throwing the food. Mm. And, you know, like, how would you handle that? Do you talk about those things before they happen? And most couples don't. And that's not a judgment. I just think that's a reality of, you know, where we're at in, in the state of marriage. Yeah, because it just seems unreal. There's not a, yeah, there's not a lot of um, importance placed into that. So people can just, you know, show up and get married and, and not give consideration to those things. Because it seems so unromantic to be discussing those things. Oh, absolutely. You know, and this when you're planning a wedding, it, like I said, it should be, you know, all about the dress and the fairy tale <laughs> and, you know, the, the cake and, you know, all those, the limo and, and you know, that's mm-hmm. all wonderful. But, you know, what about the day-to-day stuff that's going to be coming up as soon as that wedding day's over? And it, that day goes by really fast. Yes, I'm so, sure. Um, okay, let's go through a few more flags. So self-centeredness, what does that look like? Because we can't always tell. Sometimes we just think, oh, you know, he's into himself or he's a little egotistical. Yeah. Well, again, one story I'm thinking of in particular that could address that issue is um, we spoke to, you know, a young woman, very successful businesswoman in Manhattan, you know, lived a great life with her husband um, and, and, question his self-centeredness and you know not that we as women need to be placed high on a pedestal because I absolutely don't believe that's where we belong but would never give consideration for Mm -hmm. her feelings or her thoughts or her opinions and in fact she became very ill and asked him for some help I mean to the point where she had like 105 fever and was just you know, flu-like symptoms and really bad. And he put her in a cab and said, I don't have time for this. Wow. Sent her to the hospital and the nurses were floored that this poor sick woman showed up. Oh, my God. So sick. And her husband just threw her in a cab. And when she questioned him about it, you know, his response was, well, of course, if, and this was before the World Trade Center bombing happened, but, um, he said, if the World Trade Center was burning down, of course I would I would rescue you. But her, her thought to herself was, well, I don't need a hero. I just need someone there to be with me for the day in and day out things. And he was so sort of into himself and his career and what he needed um, that he couldn't see that. Or if he could see it, he, you know, didn't provide that for her. And so did they end up getting divorced? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's an important piece because all of the women, and we talked to hundreds of women and some men, but for purposes of the book, we focused on women. Um, for those who knew on the wedding day mm. that they were making the biggest mistake of their life, mm-hmm. 100% of them got divorced. Wow. Not, not one single woman. And some divorces could have happened, you know, like one happened within months of the wedding. Others happened, you know, years and years down the road. Um, but not one of them stayed, they married. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the actor Corbin Burnson. He was on L.A. Law. Oh, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is actually a well-known fact. This isn't gossip. He actually cheated on his wife on their honeymoon. Uh, we we heard of that. We, we spoke to one woman, um, and she sort of had doubts, and she saw a therapist and asked, you know, should we slow this down? And the therapist recommended that they put the wedding on hold. Um, but the husband or the fiance at the time actually said, no, we're going to go through with this. So fast forward to their honeymoon and he's in the shower. His phone is buzzing. She picks it up just to see who it is. And it's his girlfriend back at home. Um, 
saying that they wish they were still together and she was missing him. And, you know, she got on a plane and came home from her honeymoon, moved out of the house, and they were divorced six months later. Wow. So so he was mm-hmm. still dating the girlfriend while he was engaged. Yes, and he was the one that sort of forced the marriage or the wedding to go forward. Um, Why? Which really didn't make much sense. Yeah. But, you know, I followed up with her, and he was just in a really bad, obviously in a really bad place, <laughs> and felt so obligated that he had made this promise and was really connected to her family, didn't want to disappoint his family. Um, you know, there were some religious views that were mixed into it and, you know, he Mm -hmm. promised her that he wanted to be with her and she wanted to be married so badly. Mm. And she even says, you know, I was so, she said, I was so wrapped up in the limo and the dress and, you know, the, the wedding day that I was willing to believe anything he had to say, even though I knew deep down other things were going on, but I just turned a blind eye to it. Wow. Wow. Okay. But, you know, that story just broke my heart to know that, you know, she trusted him and, and wanted to believe in him and then to have that happen on your honeymoon, which is supposed to be, oh. you know, such a, just a fun, intimate, you know, time to connect and breathe after all the wedding planning processes go on. Um, it just really crushed her. But to update you on her, uh-huh. um, she did find her right guy. Mm-hmm. They did get married, and they just had their first baby last week, and she is Aww. so, so happy. So Good, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and one more red flag, so fear of intimacy. What are some signs that someone has fear of intimacy? Well, you know, again, what, what is your definition of intimacy for you personally? But if you have, you know, if your fiancé or your boyfriend or your husband is more interested in spending time spending time with his friends um, and not spending time with you, that can be a red flag. And, you know, again, talking to a lot of women, some of the themes that came up were, you know, all he wants to do is watch television or all he wants to do is play video games um, or all he wants to do is work. And when it's time for us to be together, um, there's always excuses. Oh, I'm too tired or, you know, I'm really busy right now. Um, if, if you're not having those moments of, and it doesn't have to be just about sex, mm-hmm. you know, that might be your definition of intimacy. But for most women, you know, it's wanting to be paid attention to, wanting to be held, wanting to feel like you're cared about um, and, and thought about throughout the day. You know, so lots of times I'll encourage couples that I'm seeing, you know, fast-paced world, right? But mm-hmm. just send a text that says, yeah. hey, I'm thinking of you and I can't wait to see you tonight. That would be a great example of intimacy. So if, you know, the, the, the woman in the relationship is doing those things, um, but they're not being reciprocated, um, what's up with that? Why Why isn't that? Are you asking for what you need? And if you are and it's not being given, um, you're going to feel resentment about that. You're going to feel badly about yourself. You know, what's wrong with me? Why isn't he paying attention to me? Um, And I can't tell you how many women I speak to who, again, just sort of brush that aside and think, oh, that's normal. You know, Mm -hmm. we're married now. (laughs) You know, that that just changes. And and you're right. You know, and I'm a mother of twins. So after those kids were born, intimacy was really difficult. But we talked about it and we asked each other for what we needed and we gave that to each other. Um, And we continue to do that. And so you kind of have to renegotiate what you want your intimacy to look like. Um, And I'll just repeat, if you're not 
giving what you're receiving, um, you need to question that. Why is that? And it's not normal, you know, to have sex once a month or (laughs) I don't want to say that, you know, but (laughs) if that's your normal, but if it's not normal for you and you want more, you should receive more. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, you have an, uh, yeah, I guess it's an equation in the book and it's red flags plus gut feelings equals trouble. Yes. And again, that goes back to what I stated earlier, you know, what's a red flag for you if they're happening and that triggers those gut feelings pay close, close attention to that. Don't ignore those gut feelings because 99.9% of the time they are right on. They know what's best for you. They warn you when things aren't right. Um, And, you know, I think women are probably taught more about intuition Mm -hmm. and and gut feelings. Men have them too. We've talked to men who who said, yeah, I had this feeling. It was just like this. Um, Ignoring that is... Yeah, trouble. Hello? Uh-oh. It's a trigger. Oh, <laughs> and then go explore that, you know. Find out if it's a valid feeling. Nine times out of ten it will be. Um, if you just ignore that it's there, and a lot of people do, mm-hmm. um, it is going to show up again and again, and whatever the behavior was that caused it um, is going to continue on hap- to happen unless you bring it to the forefront. And I think your body, you know, if you're if you're not going to consciously address it, um, your body always gives you clues because uh, either you'll get sick or whatever. But I remember one time, oh. the only time I've ever had a panic attack, I was <laughs> dating this guy for several years and um, things were not good. And uh, I had gone home for three weeks to visit my family. And the day before I was supposed to fly back, I got this panic attack, you know. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was like, oh, no, i got to see him again. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that's, that's such an important point, you know, the connection between our minds and our bodies. Um, you know, and we spoke to folks who, again, stuffed those feelings, and, and same thing, you know. We heard about migraine headaches. We heard about ulcers. We heard about one woman who swore she had cancer. Um, she didn't, but, you know, she was so, showing symptoms. Um you know, I would think I would think headaches were probably the ones that came up most often um, because we carry tension and inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if if you go home every night feeling that and you're getting sick, that's just you know again, you're so important. <laughs> and in a healthy relationship, those things don't show up. You know, in right. 18 years of marriage, I've never, you know felt nauseous because I was going <laughs> home to see my husband. <laughs> That's just not how it works. Right. It shouldn't work that way. And so don't accept that. Um, yeah, definitely. I think we're having a little phone trouble here. Um, and, and knows how to take care of you, but you have to put that into action. And if you don't, um, are you willing to sacrifice your health? Um, to be in a relationship because that's better than being alone. And that's probably, you know, the number one reason we heard from people is, well, you know, he wasn't that great a guy. But I was, you know, we'd been together for seven years or, you know, it was the next logical step. Right. Um, And then you just get in this rut. And before you know it, you know, you're five years into a marriage that makes you feel miserable. 
yeah, in fact, you mentioned that in your chapter, Race to the Altar, which I think is a great title. You said that, you know, people sometimes get married because they think, well, you know, we've been dating for five years, so I guess the next thing to do is to get married. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of reasons why women and men race to the altar is, you know, there's the external pressures, you know, all my friends are getting married, you know, Aunt Helen every time at Christmas dinner is, is asking me, you know, when's it going to happen? When's it going to be your turn? Um, so you feel all this pressure and then there's the internal pressure you place on yourself. And like I said, a lot of it could be, you know, well, I've dated him for six years, you know, he's, he's really college and you know, there's all this time invested that you know I don't want to waste all those years from dating so I'll just get married and you know things will definitely get better right mm-hmm. well no that's not how it works if it's bad now it's only going to get worse later it doesn't just change because you get married um, I spoke to one woman months ago she oh, almost a year ago and she had read the book and contacted me and um, had been engaged probably six months and was having doubts, um, didn't want her fiancé included in the, the counseling, which, you know, to me is a red flag because mm. I feel like if you're talking about the two of you, right. you both need to be included. So there's these secrets, right, that mm-hmm. are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she had become interested in someone that she worked with and was having feelings for another person, um, yet she didn't want to call off the wedding. She didn't want to disappoint everybody. Um, his mom, she was very close to and and didn't want to lose that relationship because, you you know, you're right. When you break up with someone, you know, you lose friends, you lose, you know, connections Mm -hmm. to people that you made together as a couple, Mm -hmm. you know, pets became an issue for her because, you know, she wasn't sure what was going to happen to the dog because it was his dog when they came, when she came into the relationship. Um, but she loved this dog. So then, you know, fast forward another two months and, his mom is really making all the plans for the wedding and she's going along with it. And then they made a trip to Mexico and um, his mother had picked out the place to get for them to get married. And, you know, her head is spinning and, and yet she still just couldn't get, get. Uh Oh, where'd she go? I got to hear the end of this story. Um, there she is. Or that self-confidence that she would be okay. Um, and, and, as far as I know, um, went through with, with the, oh, no. but you know, that, that's a great example of, you know, she knew yeah. she, 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 didn't, she didn't even think she loved him. Mm. Um, but the thought of canceling it wow, was just <laughs> too overwhelming for her. That's crazy. So I tried really hard and it, it, it's not that I'm a wedding canceler. <laughs> that's not <laughs> my job at all. Um, in fact, I, be, I believe firmly in, in marriage and I come from a family of divorce. So um, I saw how brutal, you know, relationships could be. Um, but mm-hmm. I believe that life is too short to be stuck in something. You know, you want to be with someone who doesn't just bring out the worst in you, but can bring out the best and, you know, can be in those good times and bad times and sickness and in health um, and, and feel solid and not be on this shaky foundation, not knowing what's going to happen from one day to the next. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they don't have examples of good relationships, so they don't really know even what a healthy relationship looks like. Oh, sure. And, you know, again, I, I, well... I might disagree with that. I think deep down, 
people know what it should look like. Mm. But you're right. You, you haven't seen it. So if right. you haven't seen it, you don't really know what that's supposed to feel like. Um, you know, and, and then I go back and forth on, you know, if, if you don't have it in your life, then you turn on the television and you see all these crazy relationships happening on reality TV. Yeah. So um, that sort of filters in there and, and people put up with a lot of stuff. Um, but I don't think they should. And they don't really want to, but it's just for the sake of being in a relationship. Um, because, again, a lot of women we spoke to felt like they weren't complete or they weren't successful if they weren't married, you know, say by the age of 30 or 35. Mm. So they make anyone the one because that that idea of, well, if I'm married, if I'm, you know, in a house with a white picket fence and a Labrador retriever and a husband, then, you know, I win a prize, right? I get to be seen as, you know, being successful. And it's just not quite that simple. Um, And although marriage should be a success, I don't think you have to get married to prove anything to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Get your own house and your own stuff in order before you bring that into something or with someone who isn't in order themselves. Yeah, that's what the great thing about, you know, getting older is, I mean, I've never felt the pressure to, to get married, and I'm, I'm over 40, and it's like, I don't care. If I get married, great. If not, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and actually, um, there's a story in the book from a young woman, well, you know, someone in her 40s, so I consider that young, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, who kind of talked about the difficulty she had being, you know, mid-40s, and how rather than looking at that as some failure, you know, I'm not married, I don't have children yet. Um, She took it as a time to really pay attention to herself. And that's not a selfish thing, but to do the things she enjoys, um, to explore what's important to her and what's not. And ultimately, she said, if through all that work and all that, you know, self-process, someone were to come along, she would be that much better in a mm-hmm. relationship. She would have that much more to offer rather than trying to figure all the stuff out <laughs> right. and be in a relationship and try to figure out all his stuff and then not be sure about either of them. Right. You know, if she felt like she was getting to a place where she was feeling much more solid about herself. And did she want to be married? Absolutely. That was something that, you know, she would love to have in her life, but it wasn't going to be a failure if it didn't happen. And she was just going to leave herself open whatever her plan was meant to be. Right, exactly. Now, um, in the book, Anne tells the story of how Diana, Princess of Wales, helped her decide to cancel her wedding. So do you want to <laughs> briefly go over it? Yeah, and secretly we're hoping that, you know, Kate and William cancel their wedding Uh-oh. so we have a good story <laughs> to go with. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. I love it when she tells the story, but I can tell it too. It's um she had moved to where her fiancé was, and within a few days, she just knew she did not want to be with him. But, you know, she had left her home, she left her job, um, and she was just going to stick it through. She was like, I'm, I'm just having cold feet, this will be fine, and um, a few months later, she she was working, you know, at a really nice job and they threw her a shower and she was opening this box of monogram towels. And at the time, um, I'm not sure if 
Princess Diana, I guess they had already gotten married. That was pretty early in the 80s. But she remembered a quote that one of Princess Diana's sisters told her that, you know, her face was already on the tea towels and it was too late for her to pack mm. out of the wedding because Diana was having doubts, mm. right? Wow. And so Anne was pulling out these towels that were monogrammed with what her married name would be and that thought resonated with her and she thought it's too late because I can't return the monogram towels. Now, luckily for her, you know, she was able to find that courage within her to call it off. Um, and she jokes that she kept those towels, and in fact, she just threw the last one away um, last year because it was getting too ratty to use. But she would have them in her bathroom, and people would say, whose monogram is that? But she felt like it was sort of her badge of courage, and, uh, you know, she was proud to have those towels. Right. She did the right thing. All right. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. We, we always hear about cold feet. In fact, your website is Cold Feet Press. So right. uh, what is the difference between cold feet and jitters? We get asked that question all the time, and the simplest answer is this. If you are having nerve, nerves and anxieties related to the wedding, you know, are the bridesmaids all going to fit in their dresses? Are all the flowers going to show up? You know, is, you know, the drunken bachelor going to embarrass me <laughs> in front of all my family and friends? Um, having nervousness about the transition, you know, this is a big change, and, you know, I'm kind of worried what that, you know, what going to turn out and how everything's going to be, um, that's pretty normal. I think we all feel that for those of us that have gotten married. Um, cold feet, however, is when you are having nervousness, anxiety, and doubts, strong doubts about the relationship. Is he going to change his behavior? Is he going to quit drinking so much after we get married? How are we going to handle all of this debt? After the wedding, we're not going to be able to afford a house, and he doesn't want to, you know, pay off his bills. Um, so, again, those serious doubts that trigger the gut feelings, that's going to be cold feet, and that's a lot different than just having some, you know, nervousness about, you know, the wedding day itself. Right. Now, why do you think that so many smart, beautiful, successful women stay with the wrong guy? We ask that question all the time to smart uh -huh. people when we talk to. And the bottom line that always shows up, the theme that always shows up, mm -hmm. is the fear of being alone. Mm. And I talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, th there is just this, this thought that goes through their head. And not all women are afraid of being alone. I mean, you talk about how you feel pretty mm -hmm. clear about cool. where I'm you're cool. at in your life. <laughs> um, but for a lot of women that we talk to, and it never fails. You know, you'll, you'll see it in the audience when we're giving a, a, a talk about the book. You'll, you'll be able to pick her out. Mm. Um, it, it's just, it makes them feel so much sadder to be alone than even be being in an abusive relationship. It doesn't have to be physically abusive, but, you know, somebody that puts you down day after day. They just feel like, I can put up with that as long as I'm not alone. And it, it kind of makes me feel bad for our gender <laughs> to even yeah, say that. But it, it is what we have found. And we're really here to tell women, look, again, life is short. You know, what, what do you want to be your most authentic self? And can you be that person with someone who's constantly belittling you um, or, you know, giving you an allowance week to week because he doesn't think you can handle money, you know, that that's not okay. And sometimes you just want to shake them, mm -hmm. you know, and, and make them see it. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Um, and that's what gets so frustrating because you know 
what's available out there to folks in their life. And they either buy it or they don't. Um, but that is the theme that comes up most of the time is I just, I'd rather be, you know, in a bad relationship than not in one at all. Yeah. Um, and what about, you know, cause you know, obviously no guy is, per- nobody's perfect. The guys are girls. So then how can a woman know if she's with the right guy? Cause you know, they'll justify it to themselves when they see the issues, the red flags, they'll go, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And again, we tell people, um, you know, if the red flags or deal breakers are causing you to feel unsteady, you know, are causing those gut feelings to show up day in and day out, and we, and we say it, consist, it's consistently, you know, we all have bad days, but, you know, I especially have had a few bad days Uh-oh. recently, and my <laughs> husband's like, okay, can we talk about your behavior <laughs> and, and what you're saying? But long term, that's not how I act or how I behave, and we work through it and we joke, but... um I just can't emphasize enough how if you are having a behavioral response to the person that you're with, that's just not okay. Do you, do you need to leave him immediately? No. But do you need to go explore what that is? Absolutely. And if that's with a counselor or a spiritual leader or, you know, a mentor that you can look towards having a healthy relationship, then you need to seek that out and figure it out rather than just, like you said, going along with it and ignoring it because, um, yeah, red flags now are going to be red flags later. And what are you willing to sacrifice in all of that? The guy that I was telling you about that I had the panic attack for, uh-huh. Um, what I know, what I would notice with him was, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy-go-lucky person. I'm always a happy person. And so I'd leave my house and I'd drive over to his house and I'd be all happy. And like within a half hour of being there, I was like a wilted flower. I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, things went downhill fast whenever I would go see him. Yeah. And, you know, the other, the other piece that's important here is I, I've been telling a lot of sort of the most sordid stories of, of folks <laughs> that we talk to, but there are just you know, women who are with nice guys. Oh, like yeah. it was Anne's, Anne's example was her fiance was actually a really nice guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He didn't, you know, do bad things. But she just knew deep down, you know, she didn't really like him that much. They didn't have a lot in common. Um, and so for women that are with nice guys, it's like, well, he's not doing anything really bad. He's not a drug addict. You know, he's not playing video games all night long with his smoke or pot-smoking friends. <laughs> and so... They, they get stuck is, you know, well, he's not a bad guy. Why, why do I need to leave him? What if, what if there's not going to be a better guy that comes along? And the truth is, for all the women we talked to who found the courage to, to call it off, they did find a better guy, mm. each, each and every one of them. Um, and there were only a few women we talked to who had more than one marriage. <laughs> um, most of them went on to a really great second act. Um, did they believe that could happen, you know, when they were going through the thick of it? Not really. You know, they couldn't yeah. see the trees of the forest. But that's what we're going to tell you. That's why these stories are so important for you to read in this book is that, you know, they can share how it turned out. And you can start to believe that you can have that, too, instead of just feeling like, well, this is probably going to be it. And, you know, just got to stick it out. Right. Tough it out. Suffer through it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, wonderful. Well, that is the end of the show. Thank you so much for being on. Um, so, like I said, your website is Cold Feet Press 
com, and you want uh, women to submit stories there? Women can submit stories. We hear from women and men, we hear from men too, <laughs> who, you know, will often hear us on the radio or see us and just have some thoughts and questions. And, you know, I can't offer free therapy on the Internet, but I'll be happy to, you know, help offer some guidance and give you some of my thoughts. Um, you know, and, and if you have a story that you think could really impact somebody else's life, and, you know, we can share it anonymously on our blog or, you know, through other sources, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, since the book launched last May, we've probably heard from, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people across the world, actually, who, you know, this, mm-hmm. this book resonated with them, the stories resonated with them, and um, some people have called off their weddings, some people, you know, put it on pause and work through it and, you know, we're able to get married and be happy and, you know, read the stories and felt like, you know, I, I do feel good with my relationship. You know, I do just have jitters. It's not cold feet and, and I'm really happy. So, like I said, we're not here to break up the world. <laughs> <laughs> just we just really, we just really want folks to pay attention so that they can have those healthy, happy relationships um, that really can make a difference in your life um, and, and make it worth, you know, Worth living. Being with someone. Yeah. Right. Okay. And again, the name of the book is How Not to Marry the Wrong Guy. Is he the one or should you run? So thanks again for being on. Lucia, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. So now if we haven't scared everyone off marriage. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do that. You know, we don't want, that's what's happening. That's why the marriage, the divorce rate is so high, because y'all are marrying the wrong people. So stop that, damn it. <laughs> stop marrying the wrong people. Read the book, How Not to Marry the Wrong Guy. So thank you uh, so much for joining me today. My website is theartoflove.net, where you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter. I also have a book called Lucia's Lessons of Love, and that is available at lessonsoflove.net. And in the meantime, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.